Morning, church. We are in a series that we're calling Blessed Assurance. So if you don't believe in Blessed Assurance, I don't know how you could sing that song. So some of y'all, it's like blessed and then you lip sync. I'm just kidding. Y'all sounded good on that. So uh, I know when it comes to preaching certain topics, sometimes they're difficult to uh, listen to. Sometimes um, I'm not sure if you're listening. Let me illustrate this way. I'm sure I've probably told you before that I didn't grow up in a family. uh, My dad didn't allow guns. We didn't have BB guns, no guns in our house. If some kids came through our yard with BB guns, dad went out and said, go shoot birds in somebody else's yard. We... I just didn't go, grow up around guns. So obviously I never went hunting, or as you say in East Texas, hunting. I've been corrected. That's why I said that. So if you all are wondering why did he just say that, because some hunter corrected me. So anyway, not growing up, <clears throat> I'm, I'm dying up here, I, not growing up around guns and, and never gone hunting, uh, I got here and Kenny Vineyard said, hey, let's go hunting. I'm like, do you trust me? And so I know nothing about hunting. I know nothing about deer. And so we're out there, and, and, and this big old buck showed up. And, you know, I know something about points, and you need the more points, the better. And, and Kenny said, this is a good one. And uh, so we both raised our guns. That, that big old buck got close enough, and we shot at the same time. I said, I got him. Kenny said, no, Richie, I got him. I'm like, no, I got him. Richie, you've never been hunting. I'm like, Kenny, I got him. Well, so we're arguing back and forth, and here comes a game warden, and he says, what are you all arguing about? So we told him what was going on. He said, let me check. So he walks out there, and he goes up to this buck, and he, he looks at this buck and raises it up and kind of investigates and comes back, and he says, um, one of you guys a preacher? And I said, well, I am. He said, you shot the deer. And Kenny said, wait a minute, how do you know that? He said, because it went in one ear and out the other. (laughs) Now you know how I feel as a preacher sometimes, wondering if what I throw out just goes in one ear and out the other. And I can assure you, that preaching on assurance is a tough subject, and I'm not sure what kind of ears it lands on, but I'm passionate about this subject and passionate about First John, and I spoke um, very passionately last week, and I had attitude last week. I, I'm, you know that. You heard. And I knew that, but I'm, I'm passionate about assurance. We're looking at First John. It's the 23rd book in the New Testament. If you just want to go backwards from Revelation... Count back five and you'll find First John. It's not a very long book. There's only 105 verses. You could read it and be done before I'm done preaching if you want to. And that wouldn't bother me if you read through First John. This letter is written by John to inform some people of some things. And here's what he wants them to know. He says in chapter 5 and verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life, blessed assurance. You can have assurance that you have eternal life. 
So if you're wrestling with your salvation, then you need to read this letter and hang with us for a few weeks. If you have doubts about your salvation, if you're wondering, well, Richie, I don't know if I'm saved or not, stay with us over the next several weeks because John wants us to know. He uses this word know or knows or acknowledge 40 times in this letter. He says, I want you to know. Now, what you need to know is there were some people in that day called the Gnostics, which comes from the Greek word gnosis. And they claimed to have a special knowledge. They said, we know something special and we've had a direct revelation. And if you would just know what we know, we need to be very careful with that. Because if we're not careful, we find ourselves saying to people in this world, well, we've been given a special revelation. And if you would just know what we know. And I don't know why those people out there don't understand the way we understand because we know It's easy to get a little arrogant and pompous with our attitude about what we know. How come those other people in those other churches just don't understand? I mean, we know, and that's what the Gnostics were saying. Hey, if you just know what we know. So John comes along and says, look, here's everything you need to know. Whatever somebody else claims and another another group claims, no, I'm going to give you everything that you need to know. And as we said last week, you need to know that you need to know Jesus Christ if you want to have assurance of your salvation. And you need to know you can be born again. And you need to know if you've been born again. And you need to know that you can have security in your salvation so that on your deathbed you don't have to wonder, I hope I did enough. I hope I was good enough. I hope that the Lord saves me. John says, no, 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 no. Blessed assurance Jesus is mine. You can know that. You say, well, I don't know if I'm supposed to know that. Well, then just tear 1 John out of your Bible and throw it away. Because he says, I'm right because you can know this. Now listen, when, when you know this, you live differently. You live with boldness and you live with confidence and you live with that assurance. So as I said last week, here, here's my subject matter for the entire series. I want you to be saved. And I want you to know that you're saved. It's that simple. That's my lesson plan right there. I want you to be saved. I want you to go to heaven. I want you to have eternal life. And I want you to live like you have it. John says we can know that. And so that's why he writes. I want you to live boldly. And I want you to live with confidence. And so he shares this with us. And so... uh, Let's start. Let's read in 1 John 1 again. I know we've read some verses. Let's read in 1 John 1, the first six or seven verses. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we've heard from Him and declare to you, God is light, in Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. 
So John starts out and he, says, and he says, that which was from the beginning, as if we could even grasp a beginning. He says, if you go back to a beginning point, there really is no beginning point, but we kind of have to grasp and wrap our hands around something. But, you know, if you go back to Genesis in the beginning, that really wasn't even the beginning because there is no beginning for God, Jesus. They've always been. They always will be. But for us to understand, okay, there's a beginning of creation. But I don't think that's what John is talking about. Because he says in chapter 2 and verse 7, Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. And then he says in 2.24, See that what you've heard from the beginning remains in you. What he's trying to say is, you have a beginning point when it comes to Jesus. I mean, there's a point you didn't know about Jesus, you'd never heard about Jesus. So if you go back to the beginning, that which was from your beginning about Jesus, we all have a beginning when it comes to Jesus. So he says, that which was from the beginning. In other words, your beginning point with Jesus, wherever you started with Jesus, it's all about Jesus and everything you need to know is Jesus. Period. So the Gnostics who say we have some special knowledge, no, you have everything that you need in Jesus. And he says we had firsthand knowledge, we had firsthand experience. We had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, and you can too. You say, well, Richie, I, I, lived, I didn't live 2,000 years ago. John said, look, we had a personal encounter, and you can too. So he says in verse 4, Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So, you know, Clay and I were talking the other day about English. You remember high school English? I know some of you all want to wipe that out of your head. And, and if you went to college, you had to have English again. And some of you all are thinking, just get that out of my head. My English teacher drilled in us when we wrote a theme. We had an introduction, we had three points, and then we had a conclusion. I got to college and my teacher said, there's more to life than three points. I got one today. Are you ready? God wants to have fellowship with each and every one of us. And I want that to sink in. The creator of the universe wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to have fellowship. John says, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 9, God who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God has called us into fellowship. God wants to be in relationship with us. God wants to have communion with us. God wants to have a connection with us. So if you're thinking, well, Richie, you don't know my past, and I know God does. How can God who knows my past want to be in fellowship with me? Because he's God. That's what he wants. So no matter how sinful you are, no matter how many sins you've committed, no matter how bad you think those sins are, here's what John wants you to know today. God wants to be in fellowship with each and every one of us. That ought to give you some assurance in and of itself. The God of the universe wants to have a connection with me? Well, I must be somebody special. And we are, because God has called us into fellowship. God wants to have a relationship with us. Now, <clears throat> let me tell you something maybe you've never thought about before. God's main goal has never been salvation. God's main goal has been to have a relationship with his people and his creation. So he created Adam and Eve, and he was in relationship with them. And then sin entered the world. And God was no longer in relationship with them. So to 
be back in relationship with us, God sent His Son to save us. Now, in the New Testament, you'll find the word reconciliation. God, to reconcile... When two people reconcile their relationship, that relationship is restored. So God, to restore the relationship, provided salvation. God's main goal has always been, I want to be in fellowship with you. But I can't because of sin... So He provided a way. Salvation is good and Jesus Christ came to die on the cross for our sins. But the the main core is so that we could be in relationship with God. God wants to be in relationship. So Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, And this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against Him. Salvation is good and salvation is necessary, but God sent Jesus to remove the sins because He wants to be in fellowship with us. Now that ought to change your life. When you wake up tomorrow, God wants to connect with you. And when you wake up the next day and when you go to work, God wants to be in relationship with you. The God who created everything, including you and me, He wants to have fellowship with you. Listen, folks, Jesus, John wants us to know Jesus is the real deal and Jesus is the only deal. You don't need to know anything else. You need to know Jesus. And so he says, look, we testify. We had a personal encounter with Jesus. And you can too, even though he lived 2,000 years ago. Which gets back to the point we made last week. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son in the flesh who came to this world? You need to believe that. We'll talk about that more as we get through 1 John. You need to believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son, that God sent His Son to this earth, incarnate, in the flesh, to restore the relationship. Do you believe that? You need to believe that. If you want to be saved, that's at the core of the gospel. You need to believe that. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. There is no other way. You think, well, I can be saved this way? You can't. Well, I can be saved by my good works? You can't. Salvation is found in no other name, only in Jesus Christ. You need to know that and you need to know Jesus. Now, if Jesus is the Son of God, which He is, and if you believe that, you got to respond to that. Now, you do respond every day. Yes, I believe that, and I respond this way. Yes, I believe that, or I respond a negative way. So you respond one way or the other. What does it mean to have fellowship with Jesus or in Jesus? Well, it means we trust Him. It means we trust Him as we live each day. It means we lean on Him. It means we give our lives to Him. Does it mean we have to be perfect? Well, absolutely not. There's only been one person who's been perfect, and that was Jesus. Well, Richie, I sin every day. I know, and God sent Jesus to reconcile us. Well, well, Richie, you don't understand. There's some stuff I've done in my past that really embarrasses me. I know. And God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay your sin debt so that our relationship, your relationship, could be restored. It doesn't matter how big your sin is. The blood of Jesus covers that. We'll talk about that next week. Now, you need to understand, God does not want to be distant from you. Have you ever felt like, you know, 
God is so far away. I can't feel Him. I can't sense His presence. God doesn't want you to have that feeling. Fellowship means we have in common that we share, that we feel the presence of God. That's what it means to be in fellowship. Now, when it comes to fellowship, just because we're here and just because we're in this text, i got to have a little sidebar with you. When it comes to fellowship, Jesus came to include and not exclude. When it comes to fellowship, Jesus did not come to draw lines of fellowship. Jesus came to remove lines of fellowship. And I think that's very important for us to understand. Let me say it another way. You know what determines our fellowship with other people? If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, we can have fellowship. If you deny that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, we can't have fellowship. It's really that simple. And yet, in our history as a church, we've spent way too much time drawing lines of fellowship. We draw lines of fellowship when it comes to... I mean, tonight we're going to go eat in a gym fellowship room. And some churches draw lines of fellowship. We draw lines of fellowship when it comes to instrumental music. We draw lines of fellowship when it comes to kitchens. We draw lines of fellowship when it comes to Bible classes. Do we have one Bible class? Do we have a bunch of Bible classes? And those are lines of fellowship just in the churches of Christ. We draw lines of fellowship across the board with other churches. Now, if it makes you feel any better, the religious folks in Jesus' day, they drew lines of fellowship too. So when Jesus was seen talking to a Samaritan woman, they drew lines of fellowship. When Jesus was seen responding to a prostitute, they drew lines of fellowship. When, Z- when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, they drew lines of fellowship. When Jesus picked his 12 apostles to follow him from a variety of backgrounds, they drew lines of fellowship. I think our problem is that when it comes to fellowship, we seem to be more interested in excluding people than we are in including people. And if you read through the Gospels, Jesus did everything he could to include people and not exclude people. Jesus came because he wants to have fellowship with people. So why are we drawing lines of fellowship? Jesus did not come to exclude. For God so loved the world, I'm pretty sure that means the whole thing, that he gave his only son to save the whole world because he wants to be in fellowship. God's desire is to be in fellowship with his entire creation. So why are we drawing lines of fellowship where the Bible never drew? Listen, folks, you've heard me say this not in a while. Not everything is a salvation issue. To some people, that gymnasium that we're going to eat in tonight is a salvation issue, so they don't have gymnasiums and fellowship rooms. Not everything is a salvation issue. Let me tell you what is a salvation issue. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? If you don't, you have no salvation. It starts with Jesus Everything in between is Jesus. It ends with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Everything you need to know is Jesus Christ. And that's a salvation issue. As long as we're going to draw lines of fellowship that are not biblical, we will never grow and expand the kingdom. God wants to have fellowship with people. So we ought to be looking for ways to include people and not exclude people. 
That just went in one ear and out the other, some of y'all. Paul said it this way, For I determined to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's a salvation issue. That should be our message. The world needs to hear the good news that God wants to be in fellowship with them. He wants to be in relationship with them. He wants to connect with them. And no matter how sinful you are, Jesus Christ came to wash your sins away. And you can be right and in connection and in fellowship with God. What better news is there than that? And I will draw lines of fellowship right there. If somebody denies that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, we have nothing in common, which is what fellowship, we have nothing to share. That's where we need to draw the line of fellowship. Well, Richie, how how do I know that I'm in fellowship with God? He tells us in verse 6, If we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. John says it's real simple. How's your walk? You can talk the talk all day long. How's your walk? Because if we claim to have fellowship with Him, and yet we walk in darkness... We're not really in fellowship. He says in verse 7, If we walk in a light as He's in a light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. We're going to talk about sin and how Jesus covers our sin next week. God is not looking for perfection in your Christian walk. God's just looking for progress. So when it comes to progress, you ought to see some difference in your speech. You ought to see some difference in your attitude. You ought to see some difference in your work ethic. You ought to see some difference in the way you treat people. And if there is no difference, you lie and the truth's not in you. If you claim to have fellowship, it's really pretty simple. Well, Richie, how can I have assurance? Are you walking the talk? So we can talk about it all day long here in these walls, but when you go out in the world, how does the world see what you're saying? The world probably thinks we ought to be perfect. You know, that church is full of hypocrites. You're right. You'll fit right in. Because we are. Because we sin. We all sin every day. God's looking for progress in our Christian walk. Well, let me close with... Let me close with two love stories, all right? The first love story is mine and Kelly's. I'm sure you've heard some of this before. Um, You know, there's two kinds of girls in this world, the kind that you like and the kind that like you, and they're usually not the same. That kind of describes uh, my relationship with Kelly to begin with. I like Kelly and was interested in Kelly. Uh, She wasn't interested in me. Kelly used to work at United Grocery Store in Weatherford, Oklahoma. She was working 40 hours a week and putting herself through school. She worked on aisle two. And I would go in on aisle two as she's stocking mainly the soup cans. So so I don't like soup a whole lot. but um, So I would go in and I'd hand her notes and I'd say things like, Hey, what's your ring size and will you marry me? And you say, No, you didn't. Am I right? I got a witness from the sound booth. But outside of going to see Kelly and pursuing Kelly, you know, I really got nothing back. We played racquetball together. She played racquetball, and I flailed a lot. But I got to spend time with her, so we played racquetball, and we watched TV, and we listened to the Beach Boys. You'd have thought one of those love songs would have kicked in for her a little quicker. But I got nothing. But she'll tell you, I was the one 
pursuing Kelly. So my birthday came February the 8th, 1982. She said, what do you want for your birthday? I said, I want you. Will you marry me on my birthday? And she said, yes. Best birthday present I've ever had. Now, Kelly will tell you that when she said yes, she liked me a lot and probably loved me a little. She'll tell you that. But she figured in the next few months, because we got married four months later, I mean, there's no sense in long romance. I said, hey, baby, think maybe. She said, let's do it. <laughs> Honey, why are you ducking your head? Now, listen, I want to tell you this to tell you about the next story. I'm not the hero of this story. I illustrate that because in in any relationship, usually one person is pursuing more than the other. And so when Kelly saw how much I was pursuing her and loved her, her natural response was, I'm going to respond and love him back. Love story number two. You know love story number two. It goes back to God creating us, and we go back to the Garden of Eden, and he was in relationship with us, and sin entered the world, and that relationship broke. And the story of the Bible is the story of a God who pursues his people. God wants to be in relationship with me and you. Well, Richie, how badly does he want that? He wants to be in relationship with us so badly he sent his son to die to restore that relationship. God is the hero of this story because he wants to be in relationship and fellowship so badly. I'll give up my son. My son will die and he'll be crucified. Not just to die for our sins, but to reconcile and to be in relationship. Now, folks, that makes me want to live boldly. And with confidence and with assurance that a God can love me that much, knowing how much I was going to sin, He sent Jesus anyway. It's a love story. It's one point. God wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to have fellowship with you. He's so serious He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. Here's the question you have to answer today. How serious are you about being in relationship with God? Because when you finally come to terms with how much God loves you, your only response is, I need to love Him back. It's God's nature to love. We'll read that in chapter 4, 27 times in chapter 4. He's going to use the word love. God is love. God can't not love. He's love. And in His love, He pursues. And He's pursuing you today. He wants to be in relationship with you. Well, Richie, you don't know what I've done. I've got doubts. Can God really love me? Can God really accept me? You don't have to live that way. John says, I'm writing you to tell you. You can have this blessed assurance. So why live another day defeated? Why live another day wondering? Why live another day doubting when God says, you can have this right now? It's real simple. God sent His Son and we respond. 
Will you respond today? Will you give Jesus your life? Will you lean on Him? Will you trust Him? Will you give Him everything? And as each day goes by, you're being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Will you be baptized for the remissions of sin, remission of sins? Because that's what He tells us to do. If you need to respond to the gospel today, the good news today is God wants to be in fellowship with you as we stand and sing.